everybody. Welcome to Love Pod 30. That's right, we've been coming in your ears for 30 long weeks. Tonight, Sunday the 4th of October, 9pm, it's our usual recording time. Uh, I'm joined by Rob, and I'm also joined by Alistair. Rob, first of all, how are you getting on, mate? How did you? How was your weekend, other than a, uh, a lovely trip to Loftus-Strode to watch our capitulation? Oh yeah, that was a delight. But apart from that, um, I watched the rugby last night, which made me feel really happy. Um, and then I had a day of watching a bit of football today, so yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all, thanks. How are you? Excellent, good, thank you. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about rugby, or even that uh, I'm, I'm generally aware that there was a match last night with, <laughs> in, with England involved, but otherwise it may as well have passed me by. I'm fine, I'm fine, I've been out for a curry tonight, so I'm sat here trying to trying to be sitting fairly upright and stiff back, trying to digest a, a pound of, uh, of naan bread rice and uh, assorted chicken <laughs> and spices, so I'm feeling a little bit queasy tonight, but we'll manage to make it oh, through. Nice. Otherwise, fine. Now, we've also got Alistair. I think Alistair's your second appearance on the main pod. Obviously, you're the, the host, the author, the brains, the uh, the mind behind the excellent Talking Trotters supplement. How are you doing this weekend? Uh, I'm good, thanks. I've just uh, just finished off all the work I avoided by wisely choosing to go to the football instead. Uh, but no, everything's uh, everything's okay. Uh, a bit disappointing, really, with the result. Very much so. Well, let's dive straight in. Obviously, you two both uh, both went to the game. I, I'm the shit fan who uh, who chose to stay up in the glorious north. Um, the curse of the last minute goal strikes again. Um, do you want to just give us both your your thoughts on the game in general, uh, Alistair? We'll start with yourself on that one. Feel free to to expand as much as you need to. Well, I thought the first ten minutes were very promising, but I'm not sure how much of that was Bolton being good and how much of that was just QPR starting off slow. But it was—I thought it was interesting the way we lined up with uh, Clayton going in the centre and Davies, Mavies being pushed out onto the wing. Uh, but no, it's—I don't know. It was a shame to see it all fall apart because it started so promisingly, and especially in the nature of how it ended in the uh, with the two late goals. But um, I don't think we can complain really with the result because how we were playing between probably the thirtieth and at least the seventieth minute, we just weren't on on the pulse, so we'd have probably been lucky to grab a draw, despite us playing so well in the uh, in the opening minutes. Interesting. Rob, would you agree with Alistair's assessment there that we, uh, obviously, it, it was what it was? Yeah, I thought, like Alistair said, we started really well, um, scored two goals, which is great, um, and we, we went and conceded straight away, and you just knew that I think everyone around me just thought, oh, this is going to end like 4-5-2 for QPR. Just know they're not going to hold on to the lead. Um, but I thought we looked okay going forwards at times. Um, we got into some decent positions. Um, and then we were a little bit wasteful with Feeney with crosses. And, but I, I felt oh. we struggled to get Davis into the game enough. Um, I think he, he played a bit further forwards and that was that kind of was to our detriment, really. Um, it was just some really bad defending throughout, to be honest. It was just... Once again, we attack, and then our defence just undermines all the all the good attacking work we've done, which is really frustrating to watch. Very much so. I've only seen it on the highlights myself. I can only imagine what it was like in the ground, having paid whatever you paid to get in. Um, very, very, very frustrating. I mean, we, we considered four goals to a team who uh, who arguably were playing without a proper striker. Um, how does that happen, Rob? Is it was it a question of Lennon maybe tinkering with the with the back four a little bit too much, given he he brought Wellington uh, not Wellington uh, Davit back in after a few weeks out. I think maybe it was, yeah. I think um, a lot of people would have been surprised that Javit was playing. I think Wita did all right um, the week before, so it was a bit yeah. of a surprise. Yeah, he did. He was fine against Brighton. He yeah. didn't put a foot wrong. I mean, unless it's a fitness thing, I'm not sure anything's come out to say to say as much from Lennon or anyone else, to be honest with you. But uh, 
but I thought it was it was surprising. But how did Davit do in general? Because I mean, I'm not I'm not his biggest fan. I will uh, I'll happily confess that. I think he gets drawn to the ball far too easily, as we saw perhaps with the fourth goal. If we're going to analyse each one, but yeah. how did he do, Rob? In general, I thought he wasn't great. I'm not his biggest fan either, but I'm not sure he was wholly at fault from most of the goals. But him and him and Prince looked a bit shaky together. Um, and I really wasn't convinced about David coming back in. But in terms of them not having a striker, I thought Emmanuel Thomas actually played pretty well. It was his league debut, and he scored yeah. two goals. He's um, an experienced player, though, hasn't he? He's been he around is, yeah. Ipswich, Bristol, and a, a yeah. couple of years at Arsenal as well, let's not forget. And he's played for England under-21s, 20, I think, as well. Indeed. Indeed. But then they had Leroy Fair playing off him, who's a quality player. I mean, they bought him for £8 million last year. So I think he played at the World Cup, didn't he? If I'm yeah, not he played for Holland at the World Cup, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you've got him, like, supporting... Thomas and you've got players like Matty Phillips who's a really good player um, he put some really dangerous balls in yesterday um, and then the other lad is it Charon Cherry he looked pretty good as well he's yeah he's really a new good, sign, I think isn't he yeah really good finish for his goal despite some terrible defending but um, mm-hmm. I mean when you compare the two teams generally I mean our, co- our squad costs nothing theirs must cost what I don't know 20-30 million probably if you look at their team but I think it's just a massive gulf in the standards and the kind of level of money we have available to us so to come away from that disappointed to a lost is a very bizarre kind of positive on it I think mm, well in terms of the defence Alistair what, what were your conclusions drawn from the fact that we had Pizano, Moxie uh, Prince and David would you have gone with that uh, start, starting back four previously or do you think he made a mistake in chopping and changing at centre half again obviously we've got a lot of choice at centre half a lot of options do you think he's just trying to trying to keep everyone happy or do you think there's something else at play well I thought it was right to keep um, Prince and David as our main two centre-backs as they've definitely uh, been the best pairing so far this season, although it's hard to see that when watching the highlights. Um, I thought the wing-backs had an odd game because they weren't they weren't really involved for vast periods of it, and it was only really when Prince got moved out to right-back after Pizzano was taken off at half-time to, for Wheater to be brought on. So then the partnership was um, David and Wheater. I thought it was it was a bit odd. He definitely didn't seem to be uh, that. He didn't seem to be comfortable, and definitely going forward, he looked a bit off. But I'm not sure. The goals now, watching them back, it seems as though they were just good balls and lack of communication to mark the right man. And maybe for the third goal, it's no second goal. Sorry, the one that uh, Amos spilled. Maybe Prince should have probably cleaned that up, especially at least at the second. Pat away, so I'm not sure. We, I'm still happy with the defence, even though we've conceded ten goals in the last three games, mm. which seems like such a hyperbolic statement. But <laughs> I'm not sure. Two of their goals were really good finishes. Oh, so exactly. Yeah, I'm not, not going uh, Exactly, and I'm just about to make that exact same point. It's very difficult to to criticise for at least two of the goals, like you say, because they were just superb. Really superb. Same as the ones that we scored as well. You know, I'm, I'm sure mm. Rob Green was probably disappointed with the one that he spilled for Feeney, but Medine's goal and Prince's goal, uh, Wellington's goal. There's nothing you can do about that. You know, it's just one of those things. Um, we've spoken a little bit about the defence, but again, it was a last-minute goal, and again, it was throwing matches away when really we played quite well. Uh, Brighton, to a lesser extent, obviously we drew that game, but I thought we were the better team that weekend. It's happening again, isn't it, Rob? I mean, last year we had the last-minute goals, the, the late, uh, the late strikes that were costing us point after point after point. Are you a bit concerned that nothing seems to have been done to address that, or do you think it's just it's just football that that can happen from time to time? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, 
it's a bit of a concern when your manager comes out after a match and said he's sick of talking about it and he's fed up with them throwing away um, points and then calling the defence weak. That's a massive concern when he's purposely set out in the summer to try and shore the defence up. I, I still don't know why it's happening. I don't know if they, they're just switching off at the end or... I mean, the, the fourth goal yesterday was a good finish, but you look at Mark Davis, he's jumping in at the bloke from 25 yards out. And if he just stands up, then he's not going to score from there. So it's a bit of naivety, I think. Um, maybe they switch off mentally, having equalised five minutes before. I don't know. But something needs to sort out because it could cost us really badly if we keep doing this. Definitely. Well, if you include the goalkeeper, it's an entirely new new backline, isn't yeah. it? I mean, if you can think about um, Casado, Prince, who else have we got? We've got uh, Pisano, Wilson, Amos as well. Yeah. We, we could potentially pick a brand new back five in, with the goalkeeper to be included as well and I wanted to talk about the goalkeeper a little bit um, there's been a, it, uh, you know it's a mistake for the goal there's no two ways about it it's prompted one or two of our more um, what's the word uh, hyperbolic uh, to borrow Alistair's term fans uh, to, to take the take umbrage with Amos and start to criticise him a little bit um, personally I think that's a bit well 10 games is it into the season and we're already saying that we're worried about Amos personally I'm not worried about him at all I think goalkeepers by the very nature, and especially when you're a Bolton Wanderers goalkeeper, you're going to be a busy boy. And so the law of average means that you're going to you're going to make a few mistakes from time to time. But Alistair, um, do you think he could have done better for a, a couple of their goals? And, and overall, do you have any concerns about Amos? Or do you think he's maybe just, just had a, a couple of weeks where everything's gone in, when previously he was saving more often than not? I think the short highlights, because they only show the goals, don't do Amos justice, because there were no. at least two very good reaction saves, and one where he palmed it out of the corner where it could have very easily been a QPR riot. But I thought his mistake to palm the shot for the second goal, he recovered by palming it out the way of the incoming striker, and that's when someone should have stepped in and cleared it, because it doesn't make sense how two QPR strikers could get to the ball quicker than one of our defenders could. Even if they just got in between, then it would have been fine, but... I'm not sure. I think Amos is definitely our number one, and especially considering the other option is a man we've never seen play before. You know, <laughs> who went to school with one of our mates' mates. It doesn't. It, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't risk it, to be honest. Absolutely, Rob. Rob, where do you stand on that debate? Do you think there is a debate, or do you think it's just a, a reaction for, uh, for some of our, you know, slightly immature football watching friends on Twitter? I think anyone who has a go at Amos is an absolute moron, frankly. Um, <laughs> When you're standing behind that back four, he's making, I don't know, 10 errors a match. He's going to, at some point, he's going to have, he's going to have to make a mistake. And there's, like Alistair said, he made a couple of quality saves in the second half, which could have, which kept us in it, basically. He's going to spill it now and again. He needs the other guys to back him up, like Alistair was saying. I think he's a quality keeper. Um, he's made loads of good saves this year. He's made two, two mistakes all year, I think. So I think people need to back off him a bit and uh, cut him over a slack. He's only 24 years old. He's like... He's very young for a goalkeeper still. Yeah, so. he's got 15 years left in him, yeah, hasn't exactly. he, at the very least. Yeah, we need to support him, I think. Um, just back him and keep playing him. Yeah, no without question. Him. Yeah. Oh, without 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 question. Um, okay, so we mentioned it briefly before. Prince obviously moved to right back when Pizano was subbed at half time. He had a, a bit of an un, un, unceremonious introduction to English football against Brighton last week with a very poor opening 15 minutes. He recovered somewhat after that, and it did impress as the course of the game went on. Well, how did you both think he did it right back at weekend? Do you think it was the right call to take him off, Alistair? Uh, I think it was, but I'm not sure how much of it was forced because 40th minute-ish, 
he got a right clattering from one of the QPR players and he was down for a long time and he seemed to limp off and then obviously the half-time whistle blew and it was when he was in the changing room that someone called Wheater off from the pitch. He was warming up to go in so I imagine that was an injury-enforced error or just a precaution move rather than a deliberate tactical switch. But um, he didn't He didn't have a particularly world-stopping game. Nothing, not much really happened down his flank. He, uh, he dealt with the things that came to him kind of pretty much okay. Let a few things slip, but then again, that, was, that seemed to be par for the course for the defence on that day. So I'm not sure. It, it is his second game in the country, so I think we probably should give him some more time. But his, uh, his CV does seem to say that he is a, there is a good player in there oh, somewhere. Oh, without question. Yeah, I don't think anyone's writing him off, obviously. It's a, I'm sure it's, it's a lot different to the sort of football he's used to playing in Italy, isn't it? The rough and tumble of the championship as opposed to the, the more sedate pace of the Italian Serie A. Um, Rob, um, Medin scored again. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, excellent to see him uh, following up last week's header with another header. Do you think that finally the, uh, the worms turned for him? Do you think the, um, the, the momentum that he can have, the, the potential that he's, he's obviously got, he's a decent player, we, we can all see that. But do you think this might be the start of something decent for him going forward? Obviously, with, we've doubled our goals tally, I think, in the last week that we've yeah. scored in the entire pre- uh, season thus far. And obviously, he's scored 2-2 two two now, which is promising. Burnley away next week. Uh, do you fancy him to, to continue that run? How was his game in general as well? I do fancy him to go on a bit of a streak now, actually. I think I thought he played really well again. Um, I mean, we, a lot of the time we resort to lumping the ball up at him and he won the majority of balls up there. Um, and I think... We need to get a bit more support towards him. So Mavis and Clayton, if they're going to play in behind and to the left, then it's their duty to get up there and win the second balls. Um, I thought he played all right. It's a really good finish. Um, yeah, we just need to get a bit more support up to him. I think he'll, if he's not going to score goals, he'll at least create opportunities for the others to uh, score themselves. So, yeah, I think I think it's definitely a positive performance for Medine. He's about the only guy who did, to be honest. Well, Feeney as well came uh, popped up with a goal. He was in the right place yeah. at the right time. It's it's good, isn't it? That he's added that to his game. I think he's now scored as many in this season as he scored in the entire last season. Um, it's important that we share goals around. And obviously, with yeah. with Medine being the main centre forward, Heskey being Heskey, um, and, and Clayton still feeling his way back into it. I think it's really important about that. How did Feeney play, Alistair? Um, you know, apart from his goal, obviously. I mean, he, I know he set up the goal for Medine in in the first case. How was his general play? He. I... He struggled to find words, really, because he has just flashes of brilliance. With that, The ball was terrific to put Medine in, and then it was just luck that he was in the right place at the right time. But then he you know, goes up the other end of the pitch in the second half and starts whipping in balls that you know, land at the feet of the first man with his weaker foot. And it's... it's, it's I, I've tried to explain like, how... Mm-hmm how the fifth top scorer in the championship and our club top scorer currently can be just so inconsistent and frustrating. But uh, someone's going to have to help me out here. I, mean, <laughs> I think the word for just, is frustrating. Yeah, so absolutely. There's a couple of times where he, cut, he cuts in on the, off the right wing and puts in a, left, a ball with his left foot. He's like, you don't have a left foot, so why are you crossing it? And there's another <laughs> time where the, they, their left-back had gone AWOL, and he had about 20 yards of space, and just tried to ping a ball in, and there's Medine in there on his own, and it went nowhere near him. He just, like, a bit more composure, and he could be a really good player. It's, it's just so frustrating to watch sometimes. Well, it's very interesting, I think, Feeney, the fact he I, I don't seem to remember him cutting in 
on his left foot previously, but right. this season he must do it ten. He must do it ten times a game. So obviously he's been told to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think may, maybe practice will make perfect, and soon that'll be a decent weapon to add to his arsenal. Um, one player who came on and did did fairly well was Wellington Silver. I mean, I, I think that role is a bit of a a roving super sub against a tired defence in the last few minutes is, is something we could look into. Mm. Um, apart from the goal, Rob, what, what else did he offer to the game? Did he really get involved too much? I know he didn't really have a great deal of time uh, other than doing what he did. He didn't have loads of time, no, but he got on the ball a fair amount, probably more than Clayton did, to be honest. Um, mm. But, I mean, when he cuts in off the left, he looks really dangerous, and he did it a couple of times, apart from the goal as well. Um, he took the goal really well. Um, I think he's a bit like Mavis, where he needs to shoot more often. Um, to have a bit more confidence and actually have a shot and he showed that when he does he can score goals um, yeah I mean I'm surprised he didn't start personally um, I think he's looked like probably one of our best well, what, most threatening players when he attacks I think um, so it's interesting that he left him out but yeah I think that maybe that super sub role is one he could play but I think he's too important to drop to be honest if we're going to do that yeah, he offers something that not many other players do. Yeah. In his pace, his pace, and his directness, Alistair. Um, in terms of of alternatives, uh, Clayton is someone that could potentially play that role. I know they played him a little bit more centrally yesterday. Um, but do you think there's potential there? Obviously, his versatility is a real asset. I think so. I think he's just got to get back to uh, to his form because he's had a long spell out and he's still very young. So uh, it'd be good to see him back at doing what he was in January, February of. Last year was it when he was banging them in? But um, it was. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I agree with uh, with Rob on on Silver that people just need to take more shots because it's something that we didn't do a lot of. Funnily enough, the first like shot that was on target was Prattley's, which ended up setting up the goals. That just goes to show that even though it wasn't a clear cut opportunity, which is what people seem to be waiting off to take, it still got a goal from it and. Clayton would be good to play. I think he would be a good. He could be a really key part of the team if he just found some consistency and form, and maybe played in one position rather than always being jiggled about. I was just going to say that exact same yeah. thing. Do you think it's a it's a dilemma as well as being a bit of a of a, of a positive point? The fact that he's so versatile, it could be almost be viewed as a negative. The fact that we don't really know where the boy plays. I mean, where would you play him if you had a choice? If you had to stick to one position. What would you like to see him do forward? I mean, wide attacker, support striker, what do you think? Feel free to use whatever made-up terms you want for these positions like that. <laughs> Quarterback. Um, I think I'd like, right. to see him, I'd like to see him play off Medin because there came a point when Medin kept on winning his aerial challenges and knocking it down and there was just no one there to run on the ball. And if Clayton or a player like Clayton was there... And all you know, always by Medine's side, so that when he won the ball and he pushed it down, there'd be someone there to quickly sprint through on the defence and then you know have a shot on. And I think that'd be great. But I would have thought that role would have been better taken by someone like Cloth or Mavis, and that's not worked so far. So I'd probably say just behind the striker, but further I think forward I would than a centre forward. Mm. I I'm not sure. That area, I really, at least. I, I think you're right. I think that serves him best because he's creative. He's got a lick of pace about him, and he's not a little guy either. Is he's he can be quite physical. I think when he once he gets stuck in, and I'm sure as he recovers his match fitness, we'll see a bit more of that. Um, Rob, on the topic of match fitness, how did Prattley do? He, he didn't really appear much on the uh, on the truncated 
highlights on that fucking abysmal football league show on Channel 5. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not paying for Wanderers play either, they can forget that. Yeah. Um, I wasn't very impressed with Prattley. Um, I know he's, I don't think he was fit. Um, I think they rushed him back for some reason, which is very odd to me. Um, when I think Davis and Dan's been in quite well in midfield, I thought it was a bit odd that they brought him back so suddenly. Um, he looked, he didn't look fit, looked a yard short, um, gave the ball away for the third goal and they instantly subbed him off. Um, and it kind of me- meant that Davis was a little bit lost uh, further up the field. So, yeah, um, I, I think they rushed him back and it was a bit unfortunate that they did, really. I didn't, don't think they needed to. Well, that was the one surprise, wasn't it? Everybody yeah. before the game uh, came out with, with Prattley's reappearance back in the team. It certainly came out of nowhere because it wasn't that long ago. Lenny was saying he must have looked a couple yeah. of weeks off being, uh, being available. But he's only uh, happy, a happy twice thing. as well, isn't he? He's yeah, he's, he's a week. bit of a master of a diversion, isn't he, Lenny? Yeah, very odd. Very odd indeed. Right, well, let's face brass tax, boys. That defeat leaves us in the bottom three. Um, how do you think the rest of the season is going to go based on what you saw yesterday? I mean, I've only seen the home games, which, to be, to, to be, to be honest with you, is probably the best way to view Bolton at this minute in time, is to, is to sack off the away games and just stick with the home ones and pretend the away ones don't happen because we're pretty good at home. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to duck out of this one and give my opinion maybe at the end. But Alistair, what do you think the season holds for? Do you think relegation is, is, is a real possibility? Do you think it's the same as usual in that we'll maybe uh, we'll rally a little bit in the mid-season before dropping off again towards the end and hoping for the best next year? Or do you think that we can really turn a corner if we just get one decent result? A bit of luck goes our way, and we stop conceding stupid late goals like yesterday. I think I think we'll be lucky to uh, to finish mid table now. I think mm. we will be involved in some kind of in some kind of scrap. Hopefully, it won't get to the point where we're favourites to go down, or at least looking more likely than we are to go down than we are to stay up. So I'm not sure. Probably now the 18th, 17th kind of mark where we're just peeking over our shoulders nervously. But there are there are worse teams than us in the championship. And when you look at like a player-by-player player comparison, we have some really good footballers on our books. It's just that they don't seem to score goals and win matches when it counts. So if you look at some of the other teams that we're sharing the, uh, the relegation zone with, there aren't any particularly big names, but you know, our Zach Cloth was being celebrated as the next big thing. And that doesn't sound right, considering that we're now you know, down down in the dumps. We should be, if we have these supposedly good players for the championship, we should be fighting. So, so yeah, 17th, 18th, I think is where we'll end up. Rob, where do you stand? I don't know. It's really hard to call. I think if he can sort the defence out, and so that's a big if, but we've definitely got it within us to be way above where we are now. Um, I mean, look at last week, we come back to draw with a team that's top of the league. Um, and pretty much outplayed them as well for most of the match. Yesterday, if we'd been a bit less naive, we would have beaten QPR, and they're supposedly one of the favourites to go up. Um, so if we can do it against the teams who aren't as good as uh, Brighton and QPR, then there's no reason why we can't get to mid-table. We only played 10 matches. There's 36 to go. So Exactly. I think if we can sort the defence out, then we can. I don't think, I don't think we're bad enough to get relegated. I think well, you might need to. Nobody's bad enough to get relegated. Well, let's yeah. not let's not kid ourselves there. Yeah. I think that may be a little bit of over over cautious uh, optimism. Sorry, in, in that respect, yeah. could be a dangerous thing. But, but sorry, please continue. Yeah, I think you might need to look at the way that we're playing. Uh, maybe we're a bit too open away from home. We just let teams get through us too easily. So I think, especially if he's going to play Prattley and Davis together, 
And well, that was just about to say that. Is it the mm. personnel or is it the setup? I think it might be the setup away from home, personally. Mm. I think <clears throat> I still suspect he wants to play three at the back um, and then have three in the midfield. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to play Davis, Dans, and Prattley, then you have to play three in midfield, don't you? So, yeah, I think it might be the way we're set up. I think he might look at changing that over the international break and just working on that a bit to try and make us less weak in defence, as he put it. Yeah, I agree. I think you know further reinforcements could well be an option. Obviously, we've all we've all decried the reasoning behind arranging to get another striker in on loan. But you know, it's all well and good having having a few strikers on the books, um, free transfers or not. But if you concede the way that we've been conceding in the last three to four games, then you know you can have as many strikers as you want, but it's not going to make any difference. I don't think we're going to get relegated. That's my 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 own personal point of view, but. Like you say, I think it's difficult to see any sign of change really in terms of away games. You just got to hope that we can turn some of these home draws into wins to give us the points to to make up to compensate for the difficulties that we've got away from home. And did being being no well, being shy away from home for want of a better word has been a, a curse of many a Bolton Wanderers manager. It's not just Lennon, but I think his win percentage now is has dropped below twenty eight percent. If I read a stat correctly earlier on tonight, so it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm not in for any manner of speaking advocating changing the manager because. I think we've come to the point now where there's really nobody else out there, is there? Realistically, you know, I don't think a good old Brendan's going to fancy dropping his <laughs> seven and a half million pound compo that he got this after this early this afternoon to have a pop at working for Wanderers. Mourinho the same as well. So, I think we're, we're, we've got Lennon for 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 the better or worse. I think for the better, yeah. but I know there's been a little bit of a backlash among some of our more. Uh, twitchy keyboard friends out there today but we'll see Burnley away is a tough game and we've got a tough October as well and there's not many easy games on the on the way on the horizon and we'll talk about Burnley a little bit later on we're not going to go into too much detail just purely because I've been listening back to a few of these old podcast boys and I think that talking about a game the following Saturday the Saturday before yeah it just it's a bit soul destroying really so we'll, we'll we'll go into Burnley a little bit of detail after the break, which we're going to come to in a moment or two. So, listeners, please bear with us. We'll be back in a moment once I've had a sip of my drink and we'll talk transfer rumours. Happy days. See you in a bit. Okay, welcome back to Love Pod 30, the sort of podcast that wouldn't say no to not going in work tomorrow if you waived the £7.5 million compensation check in front of the face. Hashtag LFC we go again. Right, I've still got Rob and Alistair with me here. We're going to talk transfer rumours. Not a great deal, really, to go on, but we're going to try and extrapolate that as best we possibly can because, as you well know, listening to 30 of these things, we do like to yak on about Bolton Wanderers. Uh, right, so let's go with the good news, first of all. Adam Hamill, he was on trial with Wanderers, former Liverpool, Huddersfield and Wolves winger. He's disappeared. Uh, Michael Tong, which is the strange one, he's a former Stoke at Leeds and Sheffield United midfielder, I believe. Uh, and, of course... Our favourite Nigerian bicycle riding apple eater, Shola Amiobi, um, who's supposedly partaking in a behind-the-closed-doors friendly tomorrow at Exton, um, when Lenin will make a decision about whether we're signing. Um, I've got my own opinions on the three. I'll come to them afterwards. But, uh, Rob, first of all, we're going to take all three. Let us know your thoughts, whether you would sign them. Obviously, Hamill, it seems like the decision's been taken not to sign. Um, you can feel free to let us know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And Alistair will come to you straight after. Yeah, I think had a, Adam Hamill... Mm, I think he's fairly well rated as a kid, wasn't he, when he was at Liverpool? Um, I believe so. I think Wolves paid a million quid for him. Yeah, I'm sure did. I read that once upon a time. Yeah. So he had a bit of promise as a kid, but he's never really delivered it, I don't think. Not consistently, no. anyway. He had a spell at Huddersfield where he's half decent. But, um, yeah, I don't think that looked like a realistic signing. Michael Tong, I think he was crap for Leeds last year, so I don't know why we want him. They let, they let him go on a free, so... 
I don't. I think that was more maybe for him getting that first team match fitness, or to then get a move somewhere else. But I don't think they were ever con- considering signing him, especially when we've already got loads of central midfielders anyway. So that never looked realistic. But um, I think the main one was Amiobi. Obviously, everyone knows we need a striker. Um, I'm not sure that Amiobi is going to be the striker we really need or want. We already have Heskey, who's probably going to do what Amiobi would be able to do. But I saw a tweet from Mark Arves today saying that um, Amiobi's played once in the championship and scored 10 goals in 18 games for Newcastle. So you know, maybe there's something in that, but he's getting on a bit, isn't he? He's like 30... Yeah, I was just going to say, I saw that tweet myself and I thought, well, that's a very interesting statistic if if that wasn't six years ago. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, that probably wasn't the, well, just had a brief look at his Wikipedia stats earlier on. That was in 2008 and that was the, uh, sorry, 2009, and that was only the second time that he's actually scored more than nine goals in a season. Exactly, yeah. I mean, whenever I've seen him in in the Premier League, I think he only scores against Sunderland, doesn't he? (laughs) It seems so. I mean, (laughs) combined in the last... Five seasons, he's scored what four or five? He scored nine goals in five seasons, or yeah. four of them came in the uh, in the Turkish second division. Yeah, I think he's exactly what we don't need. Another striker who's going to be paying, getting paid too much and not going to score his goals. So I can't imagine he's going to be paid too much, Rob. I must say, but really, at this, well, at, this, at the same time, I also think there were you know beggars can't be choosers. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a uh, you know a reasonable pedigree of of Premier League and international football. I mean, he's played over three hundred games in the in the Premier League, so. It's nothing to sniff at, but at the same time, I know exactly where you're coming from. He's not the uh, he's not the stellar name that you think. Oh yeah, well at least we know we're going to get a dozen goals out by the end of the season. It's, I hope he does, but I, I can't see it happening. But please continue. I just think he's one of those players when, whenever I watched him in the Premier League, I just thought, oh this guy's a joke. I hope they bring him on. He's not going to score <laughs> against us, which is exactly what I thought with Heskey, and he's kind of proved that he's not going to score for us. So yeah, I would steer clear of him if I had the choice, but. I don't have a choice. So, what do you reckon, Alistair? I'm not sure. As, as you've all said, I think he's a very similar player to those that we already have. The kind of big, lanky forward guy at the top. But uh, no, I, I'm not sure. I think of all of them, Adam Hamill would have probably been the most interesting one to take on. But obviously, that's the one that we aren't going to be taking on. So, uh, I'm not sure. I thought Tong was a bit. Of an unexpected pleasantry. He's, I'm hoping that mil- one is just more of a friendly, uh, doing somebody a favour kind of effort, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, he's uh, he's not been playing, obviously, and he, uh, his Millwall loan spell was... He made, managed to appear six times between January and the end of the season for a team that ended up getting relegated. <laughs> so if he, if he couldn't break into the team there, then I'm not sure he's what we want here, considering we might touch wood facing a similar job come January <laughs> but um, I'm not sure he's been on loan everywhere it seems he's been all around the country uh, on loan deals but uh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm worried about our striker search because if we end up do settling with Shola Amiobi then oh goodness help us that's <laughs> a that, that's a Sign, isn't it? Uh, Do you think it's a it's a, a bit of a grave acceptance that you're, uh, you know, a bit of a tenter to her, so to speak? You know, you're not going to get an offer off a better looking girl, so you'll go with the one that's making eyes at you that, you know, looks like she's seen better days, and even those days were perhaps not as good as she thought they were. Mm. Well, we've we have tried. We've we've exhausted almost every 
avenue we could in our strikers. That's right. Who's uh, level? Yeah. No, it's very difficult, isn't it, to uh, to take these players on when, especially, you don't know what they've done lately, as of late, or for anybody in particular, because I may always been on trial with a couple of clubs since leaving Sheffield Wednesday. Sorry, Crystal Palace at the back end of last season, including Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, one name that I'm pleased that we have managed to avoid was was good old Carlton Cole, who seems to be heading up to Celtic as well. No doubt he would have been somebody that we would have proposed. I think he's probably got a slightly better goal-scoring record than Amiobi, but maybe his sights are set a little bit higher. Champions League, it seems. Um, Michael Tong, I'm going to put absolutely no store in that one whatsoever. I think that's mainly just a bit of a favour job for Lenny, doing something to help somebody out. And, and I think that Adam Hamill, obviously, they've had a good look at him. Wingers, we're not doing too badly for wingers, are we? We've got Tom Walker, Clayton, Wellington and Feeney. They could probably do us do us a job still. Um, and and so, as such, I'm not that disappointed uh, that we're, we're turning him down. Um, Rob, do you think there's anybody out there that maybe comes to mind that we've not thought of yet that we could look at? Or do you think it really is a, a question of just giving Amiobi a go and just seeing what he can do? Because A, he's available and B, presumably he's, he's quite keen to come and, and therefore maybe relatively cheap. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've probably approached every striker out there. And we've, we've tried to put our brains together and think of a striker who one is available and two would want to come to us and we think we even we've struggled so yeah i think it's a kind of a case of um taking what we can get um so yeah i think we might be struggling but maybe it's time to turn to the youngsters oh, that's a bit of a that's a joke but um did you just say jamie what jamie uh, thomas and alex thomas are you there alistair uh, rob sorry my god <laughs> i definitely didn't say that Break the internet. Break the internet. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, we're, uh, we're obviously we're coming, we're running a bit low on ideas for potential signings here. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say anything, but I signed Bertrand Traore on Football Manager last week, and he was nice. a resounding success. So, Lenny, you, you you know what to do on that one. But transfer wise, we'll just call that a day there. Only a very short segment, but such is uh, such is the world of Bolton at the moment. We're not really blessed with that many links, especially none that really really lead us to talk at length about them. So, hang on there. We'll have a quick break. Uh, we'll be back and we will talk about the latest in Wanderers' world. Otherwise, quite a bit of other news to go through tonight. So, we'll uh, we'll be back to talk about that after this short break. Okie Love Pod 30 is back, coming in your ears with the 30th episode of this podcast that we started on a bit of a whim. Uh, 30 long weeks ago, we've come a lot way, a long way in that time. Um, the, the halcyon days of our debut podcast with 11 listeners. Uh, happy to say that we've, we've multiplied that by a good number, um, pushing about, I think it's about eight or 900 per week as well, uh, per podcast now, sorry, which is fantastic. So we're very, very grateful for all your support. Tonight, I'm joined by Rob and by Alistair. Um, obviously, this is a bit of a southern heavy podcast tonight. Um, a discussion about black pudding went unheeded earlier on. Didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Um, other Bolton news that's happened in the last week or so uh, revolves around a newspaper article in the Express, I think it was on the Indy this morning, about the, the Thai consortium coming back in for one. So obviously, they were the media conglomerate. Um, I think they were involved in television stations in Thailand as well quite a bit of money behind them, supposedly wanting to, to transform Bolton's fortunes, take us back into the Premier League. It's been debunked in quite spectacular fashion by Mark Isles later on this afternoon, um, but I still think it's worthy of debate. Obviously, we've had a few people taking over us, allegedly, um, if you believe our mate Nixon at the same time, there's, there's been a good you know one or two per week. The Irish fellow that was Lennon's mate was supposed to be interested, um, but to make Bolton a big player in the Premier League seems to be the option. The idea it's pretty pretty noble. I mean, Leicester have shown what what can be done with without spectacular investment. Obviously, just picking the right manager and the right players at the right price. 
the rewards are there. I mean, with the Premier League TV deal only ever going to increase, it's not going to decrease. Um, the, the, the riches are there for the right-minded investor to really improve their their initial initial uh, money they're going to put into the club uh, and make a decent wedge off it. Rob, um, it's a bit vague, obviously, I, I accept that. But any sort of takeover, they're going to have to come in and overhaul the playing squad first and foremost, would you say? Yeah, I think there's, really, there's real difficulties with this. If they think they're going to come in and make us a big player in the Premier League, or even, well, in the first place, get us promoted. I mean, to do that, you'd have to spend money, and then we'd fall foul of the FFP rules, because um, we'd be spending too much money. So I don't really know how they kind of think they're going to spend the money in the championship to then get us promoted um but it's an interesting it's an interesting topic because i mean i think davis put us up for sale for what 30 million um and whether he wrote that debt off i don't know but if you if you think they spend 30 million get us promoted and then they stand to make or i don't know how much money they make now in the premier league every year is it like 50 million so after one year they could make their money back and then reinvest further so it's probably a lucrative opportunity for someone who has that kind of money behind them but uh, yeah I think it's a long shot to think that they could take us over and completely overhaul the playing squad and get us promoted within more than well less than two years probably without question I think that uh, I mean I know Leicester did it in in slightly easier circumstances if they are easier when the the FFP restrictions weren't in place but it still took them a couple of years didn't it to uh, to take it in Alistair come to you now it's not a guarantee of success is it being being taken over by some wealthy well, they consult him overseas with fancy names. We've seen with our friends at Blackburn Rovers that it's not an automatic guarantee of success. Uh, Hull City have, have managed it as well. Uh, there's, there's successes and there's also failures out there in the world of football when this sort of thing comes in. Um, if you were the head of some fancy international conglomerate looking at taking over Bolton Wonders, what would be your first step? Uh, are we talking changing the name to, to Bolton Trotters? Are you going to change the kit to red? What, what, you know, Buy your own private island, Hank Scorpio style? What, what are we talking <laughs> I'm not sure what I'd do because the, uh, as Rob said, I think the hands are tied of anyone that comes in here that wants to radically change change the club because we just get fined and penalised until you know you wouldn't have any any breathing room. It's a popular line of you know the Twitter folk that the uh, that the back room needs to be shaken up, but I don't think we know enough about what goes on behind closed doors to exactly. judge. Exactly, it's one of those easy. Easy accusations to throw at the club, isn't it? I saw certain uh, certain members of the Twitter family going on about how it was the, the recent poor poor return in terms of our defensive performances linked to Johan Mialbi leaving. You know, conveniently forgetting that last season we were four 0 down away to Rotherham within twenty five or thirty minutes when Mialbi was on the scene. You know, there's mm. there's all kinds of simple things like that thrown around. But please continue. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not sure. I'm not. Mm. I'm I'm starting to doubt whether uh, whether we will get a bidder for thirty million because whoever comes in to take over Bolton, uh, if they looked at it from purely a business standpoint, they'd have to be a real gambler to take us on because thirty million with a shoestring budget to get back up to the Premier League very quickly would probably be illogical from a business term. You'd probably have to be a real real football fan and have more money than sense to dedicate yourself to a project like Bolton Wanderers. So I'm not I'm not sure we will get taken over, not until our form picks up at least. Unless of course someone is silently hoping that we go down to League One so that we get a 
Sports Direct esque discount on mm-hmm. our uh, on the club. This episode, of course, brought to you by Sports Direct, uh, <laughs> destroying shopping centres one at a time. Uh, no, no, I think I, I don't think takeover talks will be fruitful. Not at least until we start climbing the table. Well, they could you just know, do what Real Madrid do and sell the uh, training ground. To the city council. Yeah, for two hundred for, for two hundred and fifty million quid or whatever it was. Yeah. I'm not sure we've quite got the same uh, the same um, reputation as we have as far as those sort of things go. But it'd be a nice thought, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be a nice thought. I think Wanderers are uh, we've got the we've got the land assets. Obviously, we've not really got the on pitch assets. I think that might be uh, might be maybe stretching things a little bit. But you've got to aim for the stars, haven't you, boys? You've got to aim. Yeah. Up. Um, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. I mean, um, we've had. We had a tongue-in-cheek Twitter question a few weeks ago about whether we would consider changing the name of the club if it meant securing some investment. I think it was, was it Red Bulls Bolton or something yeah. like that that we dropped? Um, I nearly swerved off the road when I read that, Ashley Cole style. Um, another conflict, though, that's cropped up in the last week or so, you know, I bought that book, actually, that Ashley Cole autobiography. I bought it from Oxfam for 50p about six or seven years ago. Um, quite stunning. Quite a stunning read. I know any literary fans out there... Um, or even if you if you're stuck without toilet roll in a field camping somewhere, it's really fifty p well spent if you can find it in your accent. Ashley Cole, my autobiography. What a life. Um, anyway, on to more serious topics. Um, ticket prices. I'm going to talk about the twenties plenty campaign. Rob, do you want to just give us a bit of a brief overview as to what your your involvement was this weekend? Um, difficulties, successes, um, struggles, shall we say, with stewards? Um, and then we'll have a bit of a chat about Neil Bonner. And and his, yeah. his gobby gobby nature, but feel feel free to uh, to expand first of all. Yeah, it's, it's been a bit difficult. I mean, the twenties plenty campaign, if anyone doesn't know, is um, aimed at capping away tickets all over the country at twenty pounds. So, for example, <laughs> this weekend we had to pay thirty two pounds for um, away ticket to QPR. I think we struggled to get a ticket anywhere in the championship for twenty pounds or less. So I believe it was sixty four pounds today for United fans away at Arsenal. Sixty four quid. That's mm. mental. I remember going to Arsenal uh, like five, six years ago, and it was fifty. I think it was fifty quid to get in there, forty, fifty oh. quid. So, yeah, it's all. It's basically aimed at getting um, a better deal for football fans who have to travel every week and watch their team, um, especially in the Premier League, mainly because their prices are mental. Um, so we went to QPR this week. We had a photo taken with um, QPR fans, which was cool. We met them. Um, they told us that they got a deal with the stewards that they were going to let them put a banner up because um, the group that's been organising all this, the Football Supporters Federation, sent out banners to people to take into grounds. Um, so they told us that they got a deal to put the banner out in the in the match. Um, but then I got into the ground and the, I told the steward that I had a banner and was allowed to put it up. Where could I put it up? So I was going to put it over the advertising hoardings, but we weren't in the um, lower tier, so I couldn't do that. Um, and he said that the club had told them we weren't allowed to put banners up, apart from five minutes, the first five minutes of the match, I think he said. Um, and then we weren't allowed to put them on the advertising hoardings at the front of the upper tier. We are only allowed to put them right at the back of the upper tier. And there were people sitting there, so I was like, well, I can't put them here, so what am I supposed to do? And he was like, well you can't really put it anywhere. So QPR kind of screwed us over there a bit, um, which is interesting seeing as they're one of the teams that charge the highest ticket prices in the league. So they weren't particularly helpful 
put it that way. No. Um, if you mind me asking, what did you pay for a ticket yesterday? Uh, it's thirty-two quid yesterday. Okay, so it's it's better than it has been at QPR away anyway. Yeah, I think three, four years ago when we were in the Premier League, it was fifty quid. Um, so I didn't go then. <laughs> but yeah, it's better than it has been. But that's still a lot of money to watch a Championship match, I think. Yeah, it's a ridiculous amount of money to watch Gary Medin and his friends, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. I mean, um, one one of the responses that we spotted on the internet over the sorry over the week, over the weekend was the uh, our friend Neil Bonner holding evening news. Um, well, I hate to say enemy of football, but <laughs> certainly not somebody that's endeared himself to Bolton fans much over the past uh, past decade or so. I mean, my uncle always said if Neil Bonner says one thing, usually you should go with the other, and you'll be about right. Uh, his tweet read: "Lots of moaning about the price of football tickets." Here's an option. Don't go. Well, Neil, to be perfectly honest with you, people want to go, and that is the point. And they're being, in my opinion, people are being abused, uh, for want of a better word, for their loyalty, taken advantage of, exploited, however you want to say it. Um, Alistair, I'll come to you first on this one, but I think I think Neil's totally wrong in that point, that point of view. It's not about going or not going. It's about paying a fair price for what you want to do. I mean, what's the latest TV deal? Is it five billion? Something like that I read online. Mm. Um, yeah, ticket prices just go up and up and up. Alistair, where do you stand on this? Well, it's difficult to criticise this without it becoming some kind of, you know, wider critique of capitalism in general. So mm. I'm going to try and avoid that. But it does feel like football tickets are definitely a different type of product because football has, al- has always and probably always will have a very endearing and special place in a community. And the way that football clubs are currently run is definitely for profit over pride. And I think that's something that will definitely be a problem. And now we we understand that you've got to have a business. There's got to be some element of profit. Otherwise, uh, the the billionaires won't come and we won't get some of the uh, big names playing in the grounds that we want to see and we want to pay our money to see the problem is is that this can't this can't keep up there will come a point where money in football will implode things will be too expensive and then you'll see empty grounds all across the country because people just won't be able to afford it or worse than that the tickets will become just the uh the playthings of the the uh the rich that are able to pay for them or tourists who are coming for a one-time thing and then the atmosphere and the the spirit of the game will be will be completely lost. And in his defence, the way I read his replies to tweets, calling him out on that stupid statement, was that he was implying a boycott instead of just um, Twitter ramblings. But to be honest, I can't be sure, because he seemed to change his mind depending on who he was replying to at any given time. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Stuff definitely needs to be done on away ticket prices because sixty-seven quid for an away game is just just madness. It is. There's no. It's, it's a totally unsustainable model, isn't it? And I understand it's all about getting the most you possibly can from the people who are willing to pay it. You know, if you've got somebody who desperately wants to go to your football match, it's the same as if you've got somebody like eBay, for example, desperately want to buy something, then you 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 end up being the person that pays the most amount to to achieve that to get that product. And when football is the product, the clubs are going to take advantage. I, you know, I accept it's the the bigger clubs who charge the bigger money, and I'm sure they've got bigger overheads, blah blah blah, in their bigger stadium. But I don't think that's that's entirely the point. 
Um, I, I think Rob and, and his, his friends at the FSF are, are doing a fine job. I think the 20s plenty campaign really strikes a chord. I mean, I'm not one for away matches in the last few years. Years since I, uh, I, I you know, got married, I had my child and what have you. It's uh, it's an expensive business. It's, it's dear enough going watching the home games, never mind going watching the away games, not to mention negotiating with a with a, a pregnant other half as to why I can't be at home on Saturday to, to help babysit the kiddies because I'm going to London to watch Wanderers. You know, that that aside, it's it's not an easy ask, is it going to an away game these days? Yeah. I mean, you, you know yourselves, you two, from a geographical point of view, it's not as simple as just wanting to go to the game. There's a lot of factors that, that crop in there, Rob, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it's the other way around. If I want to go to Bolton, I have to leave at um, mm. 7.30 in the morning, get a train about 8, 8.30, um, get home <clears> about <throat> 11 o'clock. So it's like a 14-hour day. Um, yeah, because you're coming up. You're coming up from London, way, aren't you? Yeah. So yeah, it's the. I mean, obviously, for Bolton fans coming south, it's the other way round. Um, I know a lot of the games this year are on Tuesday nights in London and and in Ipswich as well, which is a massive trek. It's like a five-hour trek. So that always seems to be midweek away to Ipswich. It's, it's really fun. odd. Yeah. So like Charlton last year is a Tuesday night, and again this year, it's really odd the way they've kind of done it with the fixtures this year. But that's another topic completely. But. I think it's very odd for teams like QPR, who charge you a lot of money anyway, to then not want to get involved in something like this when they when their ground wasn't even full yesterday. So if they drop their prices, they'd be getting more money in. They get more people in, better atmosphere as well. And I think they're moving to another ground soon as well, aren't they? So they probably need to keep their prices high for that. So yeah, supposedly they're trying to approach trying to raise a bit of money. Yeah. I believe I saw uh, I saw somebody writing the day about some a price a prices that we were charging away fans at the Reebok. I think it's coming up to thirty two, thirty four quid. You know, so it's it's equivalent to QPR. Oh, I mean, you can expect a premium for the, the you know the London tax for for an away ground, so to speak. Mm. But to see Wanderers charging that, I mean, long long gone are the reciprocal agreements that we had with Wigan and Blackburn for for fifteen quid tickets for us and for them. Seems like a long time ago now, but it's going to rumble on and on, isn't it? This and I think yeah. that statements, uh, unclear statements by prominent names such as the uh, the evening news journalist that we mentioned earlier on, unhelpful really. I mean, you know, these people don't owe anything to the club, so I don't see why they should, um, they, no. they should end up being on the club's side. I mean, I appreciate that that maybe our interpretation of what he's written, and perhaps the fact that it was written on Twitter at all, is maybe an indication of it being an uncertain uncertain meaning you know we all know how easy it is to have people take things the wrong way and for us to take things the wrong way ourselves so we'll not try and castigate him too much but I think the general tone is that the fans are behind this campaign obviously the clubs are not because it's not in their best interest so one something's got to give um, and whether that is an organised boycott or whether it is a continuation of, of schemes like the FSF's uh, 20s Plenty uh, banner programme some of the photos that were doing the rounds at the weekend look fantastic some real, yeah. real support for the scheme so There'll, there'll soon come a, a tipping point, like Alistair said, where um, exploitation meets demand, um, and, and that that implosion could have serious effects for football, both domestically and on the European scene as well. Um, okay, well, there's a couple more things just to go through before we knock this little segment on their head. Um, tonight's, well, this afternoon's um, news that Liverpool have sacked good old David, Bre- I mean, sorry, Brendan Rodgers um, at Anfield after his what eight games this season. It's a, it's a shame, really, because I like him. He's mental. He's one of those mental managers who is clearly no, nowhere near as good as he thinks he is. But to see him trotting on every single week, thinking that he was the bee's knees, when really everyone can look at him and think, mate, look, you know, you, you, you sort of chanced your way into the job. You've managed three years. 
rumour has it he's walked away with seven and a half million pound in compensation for the last two years of his contract being paid up. It's not a bad thing to wake up to on a Monday morning, Rob, is it when we're all getting up ready to go to work? You know, granted he's a football manager, he wants to work. He'll be in work again soon. I'm sure he'll be up be up pegging up at Sunderland or Aston Villa, someone like that once they've sat there where their bosses uh, Sunderland already have having done so. I did find it funny to notice that the as yet unnamed next Sunderland manager is currently the fourth favourite to lose his job next. I think it was sixteen to one. I thought that was quite good. Um, but Jurgen Klopp appears to be the, the favourite to replace Rodgers. I know this is a Bolton Wanderers podcast, but let's just talk about this for a minute or two. Um, Alistair, I'll come to you first on that one. I know I just said Rob before, but I'm going to switch it up a bit. <laughs> Who would you fancy to replace him? And do you think that manager would, would, would do well? Or do you think Rodgers has left a bit too much of a, you know, quote marks, legacy behind to, to overcome straight away? Liverpool would want to get Klopp. In because he seems to box is like a big name in Liverpool or a big club, and he's he did a similar job to what's needed to be done at Liverpool at Dortmund. But I don't think Klopp would be too interested in the Liverpool job because he said he'd be on a year break, and if he does see out his break, I imagine there will be some more promising options here and there. But I do think that Brendan Rodgers. His, his sacking was rushed because they know that if they wait too long, then Chelsea might have sacked Mourinho in that time. And as soon as Ivanovic, um, not Ivanovic, Abr- Abramovic whips out his checkbook and his phone book, then probably Klopp would have been gone because the other big name manager left is Carlo Ancelotti, and I don't think they'd want him back. So uh, no, I, I think it would be quite. Brilliant to see Big Sam have a go at the job. <laughs> just, you just imagine him against Mario Balotelli next year when he comes out. He will iron him out like that. It'll be done and done. But no, I'm I'm not sure. I think the club would want Klopp, but I'm not sure they'll get him. Is the gist? Fair dues. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, personally, I uh, I agree. I think he's the best man for the job. I'm not going to go into it too much depth. Obviously, I've uh, lived with a Liverpool fan in-laws of Liverpool fans, so I've had a great time winding them up all, week, all weekend. Um, most weekends, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, Robert, where do you stand on that debate before we move on and we, we go back to our, our regular topic? I think in terms of who they bring in, they obviously want to bring in someone with a bit more... Uh, what's the word? Uh, someone like Klopp or... Um, Less of a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Ancelotti, who's been there and done it, so to speak. I think Ancelotti's aiming a bit high, you know. It's like yeah. uh, it's like Wondrous sacking Lennon and then being surprised that Pep Guardiola doesn't doesn't fancy the job. A bit, yeah. I'm not really sure where he'd want to go there. I think he goes into places where they're already amazing and doesn't really Indeed. have to do much work to win anything. But I think Liverpool's a bit of a task for him. Someone like Klopp, I think, is going to be right. But I kind of feel like sacking Brendan Rodgers um, is kind of kind of summarises what's wrong with football and then what's wrong with the Premier League generally, to be honest. I mean, he's not done a bad job. He's British. Um, he nearly won the league two years ago and then they sold his best player. So, like, what's he supposed to do? And he's had Sturridge injured for the best Correct. part of two years as well. So, I think it's really harsh. Um, I think he's a decent manager. I think he'll get another job somewhere else. And if I was him, I'd go abroad like David Moyes has and get away from the stupid British press. Well, I think you'll, you're not a struggle for another job, will you? No. Because, I mean, did, did either of you watch that fantastic Being Liverpool documentary? It was kind of half half documentary, half mockumentary like The Office, and it just showed Rodgers 
as a man with a, a six-foot portrait of himself in his own lounge. Um, <laughs> this is the kind of character that we're dealing with. He's a very curious man. Um, yeah. But I would recommend you seek that out if you don't, if you haven't seen it as yet. Well, um, but we'll leave that there. Little diversion into the world of Liverpool Football Club. It felt a bit unnecessary and a bit unnatural, so we won't do that again. And <laughs> um, before we finish, we're just going to talk about a, a tweet I received earlier on tonight. Actually, there's a uh, a Bolton Wanderers fan run charity boxing night next uh, next Saturday in Walkden, raising money for a lad who's got mu- muscular dystrophy. I highly recommend you all check out. The Line of Vienna website where there's some details about how you can support that campaign. Very worthy cause indeed. Uh, hopefully some progress manages to be made on that. Uh, right, we'll take a little break. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. We'll, we'll play the Guess Who game. We'll do the Twitter question and then we'll knock it on the head for this week. So stay where you are. We'll be back in a sec. Okie dokie, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Love Pod 30. We've still got Rob and we've still got Alistair with us. We're entering the, uh, the 10 o'clock hour. On a Sunday night, so naturally, nervously, I'm looking towards the clock ahead of another day in work tomorrow. Uh, right, let's play Guess Who. Rob, over to you. You can explain it if you want, but you don't really have to. To be honest, we do this every week, so it's up to you. Okay, cool. So this is Guess Who. I think you all know what Guess Who is. I read out clues, and the lads have to guess who I'm talking about. Okay. Rob, I was hinting that you didn't have to do that, by the way. You know. <laughs> I thought I'd do it, just for one last time. Just for one last time. Absolutely right. Sorry, all yours. Okay, clue number one. I have played every level of the English footballing pyramid, from the conference up to the Premier League. Okay. Oh, God, here we go. I've got an idea already, and I'm, not, but I don't, I'm too scared to say it. Okay, that's good. I don't want anyone to guess it on the first one this time. Um, clue number two. In 2012, I was critical of Sam Allardyce, saying his West Ham side just hoof it and hope for the best. Is it the entire Bolton Wanderers Twitter fan base? <laughs> Actually, my first guess of who I thought it might be is now completely wrong. Okay. So feel free to carry on. Okay. Clue number three. I scored four goals for Bolton in 39 appearances. Okay, so it's a striker. Yeah. <laughs> Next one. Yep, yep, yep. I was born on the 31st of January, 1986. 1986, so that would mean he's 28. I'm going to go with Danny Guthrie. Nope. Okay. Clue number five. I can play a right back, left back, or centre back. Apparently. Four goals in 39. What kind of a wing back gets four goals in 39 games? That's really good. I'm thinking we've had full back in the last few years, and I don't think. I can't think who it might be. It would be that age. Because everyone I'm thinking of is either too old or too young. Hmm. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure. There can't be many players that have played every level of the football pyramid. At first I thought I thought it was going to be Adam LaFondra at first, but then your, your second clue threw me. Mm. Much like he threw himself over the goalkeeper at weekend, actually. Yeah, horrendous dive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's tried to defend on the internet this weekend, which is ridiculous. We saw him diving at the Macron. He can bugger off, can he? Absolutely. Tarnished his reputation. Okay, clue six. <clears throat> as well as playing for Bolton, I've also played for Blackburn Rovers. Is it Alex Baptiste? It is Alex Baptiste. Yeah. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> Ah, there you go. The fullback that's played for Blackburn gave it away. Yeah. Excellent, though. I think we're either getting worse at this or the clues are getting better. I'm not entirely sure which one it is. 
I moved away from the uh, starting with the dates one because Liam always guesses it. So, <laughs> well, we all know Liam. Liam absolutely ruined it last week. But glad, yeah. stupid, bearded ignoramus is not here with us this week. Right, brilliant. Well, let's go straight into the Twitter question of the week before we wrap this up. Cool. Um, the question we posed, and I'll be honest with you, I completely forgot about this until half time of the um, Liverpool Everton match earlier on today. What changes would you make to the Bolton starting lineup before the next game away to Burnley? Right, you two uh, have a bit of a think. I'll come to you at the end. I'm going to go through the, the, the responses um, once I've just stopped at my. There we go, excuse me. That's a bit of repetition of the, the, the career earlier on tonight. Right. At Disco Weave, Mark Weaver says, Welly spearing Derek in from the start. He's also given us his, start, his full team, which would be Amos, Moxie, Derek, Prince, Pisano, Spearing, Davies, Prattley, Clayton, Welly and Medine. It's quite an attacking side there. I like the look of that. Uh, Phil Duncalf has said, personally, got to look at two holding midfielders away from home, yeah, as in Spearing and Vela. That's four, Dans and Feeney. So an interesting one there. It would maybe solidify us a little bit, but then you'd be losing Liam Feeney, the goal machine. So uh, again, you you give with one hand and you take away with the other. Uh, Sean, at Sean, Wanderers one. But bringing Wheater from the start for Devit and continue uh, consider bringing Spearing in for more solidity. Uh, that's an opinion that I would echo, Sean, uh, if I do say so. Uh, Will Jones has put Spearing, Derek, Vella and Welly in from the start. Vela's an interesting one, isn't he? He's barely featured this season. I know there was a bit of speculation that there was a clause in his contract that was leaving Lennon to leave him out as a result of the financial implication that that would have. Um, but obviously that was all ended up being internet tattle. Not quite sure. Uh, Janice Fish has had the same to say that would play Vela. Um, and then Big S, the English giant on Twitter, uh, has come in with one from left field. Drop Amos. Might give him a shock and stop conceding soft goals. Uh, big S has maybe not considered the alternative, which currently is uh, Paul Rachubka or Ross Fitzsimmons, who who blocked me on Twitter last week for claiming that he'd be more in, better off selling Herbalife supplements online than being our third choice goalkeeper. Um, Alistair, question for you then is: Is what change would you make from the QPR performance on Saturday ahead of the away game to Burnley? Burnley, who are who are doing well at the moment, they won a few games on the trot. Obviously, they've got their big money, seven million pound centre forward. What do you think? I think bringing in Spearing might be a mistake, not because of the way he played. So he's a bit of a hothead, and I'm worried that with a very physical team like Burnley and with Joey Barton in there too, the least the last thing we need is another suspension. So I'd probably leave Spearing off, but um, I pro- also probably wouldn't play Derek and Prince together because they've not done it yet. And uh, but then again, I suppose it's the first time for everything. But dropping Amos just seems like a bad idea. Not only because he's not been that bad; it's just that the yeah the alternatives are awful. But uh, yeah, I definitely put Wellington Silver in from the start, and I'd probably drop Clayton. But I'd definitely put him on for the last thirty. Hopefully, playing off uh, Medine if. Lennon is listening to this, like he should be. But, uh, I don't know. Rob, where do you stand on that same debate? What would you change ahead of Burnley this week? And obviously, Andre Gray scored at weekend. Um, I watched the game on Friday night. They looked pretty pretty impressive. I mean, Rotherham were, were absolutely abysmal. Um, and you would hope that Wanderers would maybe provide a little bit more of a challenge. But with it being an away game, perhaps not. Um, what do you think we can do on this one? Well, I think Burnley are a decent side. Um, I think I'd bring in Wheater. Alongside Prince, I thought they looked all right against um, Brighton. 
Um, I think I'd yeah, bring in Wheater for Devit, and then I'd probably bring Wellington back in to start. Um, probably in place of Clayton. But then I kind of want to give Clayton a bit of time to get back into it. But I think Wellington has to play. I think he should be our first choice on the name on the team sheet, along with Mark Davis. So, yeah, I'd definitely bring him in. Um, the rest of the team, I'll probably keep the same. I think the point about Vela is interesting. I think I'd like to see him playing. Um, but I think he's one guy who can come into midfield and break the ball up a bit, um, put some tackles definitely. in, and definitely. get us on the move. Uh, I think at the moment we really lack someone who can do that. Um, whether we whether away to Burnley is the match to do it, I don't really think so. Um, no, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's going to be a very difficult game. Yeah, so I'd like to see him playing. I just don't think now is the right time to do that. Um, I, I, I just think it's really weird that he's not getting a game when he came on against Wolves and played really well. So yeah. it's a strange situation. I don't really know what's going on there or why he's not getting time. It's It's very odd. Well, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do, but I would echo those those comments that you both made there, and along with a couple of those on the Twitter uh, Twitter responses. Obviously, not the chap uh, believing that we should drop Amos, because <laughs> quite frankly, I, the alternative doesn't really bear thinking about. Um, but you're all entitled to your opinion, just as we're entitled to hint that you've maybe got some very slight mental issues going on. <laughs> um, but on that note, we'll we'll call it a night for tonight, lads. It's been great to keep you uh, keeping me company this evening. I hope you've not been able to tell that I've worked my way through half a pack of jelly beans during the podcast. Um, I've been trying to keep my keep my chewing to a minimum. Um, just one thing, just to just to bring it to uh, to a quick close, Rob. Um, when's the next time you're up? At Bolton. Hmm. Um, I have no idea. Hopefully oh, soon. Well. Maybe I'll definitely be there at Christmas for the Blackburn game. Um, excellent, excellent. Not we'll sure have to, uh, not sure we'll have to, have to make a point of making better efforts to catch up and have a drink because obviously last time we we crossed paths ever so slightly whilst I was in the queue and as as we you <laughs> and it wasn't quite as romantic as I anticipated. Alistair, <laughs> looking forward to the day that we our uh, our faces meet. We can have a lovely embrace and we can we can solidify this beautiful relationship we've got going. Hopefully, when when can we hear a, uh, your next tra- talking trotters episode? I'll be looking forward to it coming out soon. I hope. Well, I have an assessment week coming up with my uh, with my school because unless you can't tell from my uh, frustratingly high voice, uh, I'm still in full time education. And uh, after that, I hope to celebrate by uh, releasing a, a premiere. Hopefully, we'll have a cutting twenty four parody, and whatever else happens, we'll uh, we'll be right there. So, um, breaking news now: half a time a month ish now, but uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. We'll talk to you off the off the podcast about your priorities in terms of getting your education sorted or getting a, 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 a podcast out from time to time. I must say I do enjoy the, uh, the slightly left field nature of your humour and the fact that it's fucking bonkers from time to time. Things you talk about, I absolutely enjoy. Love it to bits. Brilliant. So I implore you all to listen. I implore you all to check out lineofviennasweet.com for information on the charity event that we discussed earlier on. Give us a like on Facebook. Give us a follow on Twitter. Um, leave us a review on iTunes as well as long as it's five star hope you have a pleasant week we'll be back next week uh, where we'll be talking hopefully about our glorious victory over Burnley chances are we won't be but you never know uh, and then we'll be talking looking forward to the week ahead in Wanderers World and everything that happens in between try and think of a Twitter question before then not leave it to the last minute like we did tonight but life gets in the way sometimes doesn't it so may the force be with you have a good week we'll see you later 